Welcome to But Jesus Drank Wine and other stories that kept us stuck. I'm Mead. And I'm Christy. In this podcast, we'll explore the stories that kept us, well, stuck, wanting to drink and not wanting to drink all at the same time. Join us as we show you that freedom from alcohol does not have to mean a life sentence of misery and missing out, but actually means living an authentic life full of peace, joy, and purpose. Welcome to part three of The Mind. Yay, <laughs> The Mind. So we're going to continue talking about this really important like stuff because this is the foundation for how we changed our drinking. It's the foundation for how we live our lives. <laughs> it's so important. It's so important. So I know that it can get like technical, right? But yeah. it's so important. So stay with us. Yes. Yeah, for sure. We will have our fun episodes and light episodes and but always with like kind of the reference point back to but understanding how our minds work helps us understand our relationship to alcohol or our relation, relationship to worry, our relationship to a special human in our lives. Like it, it helps us as the gatekeeper to kind of our experiences that the mind is it, when we can kind of understand how it works. Also, we, we learn how to work with it versus allowing it to kind of, you know, control us. So yeah, this is the, the nerdy stuff that I love. And yet <laughs> it also can be a little dense. So it's dense, but it's so good. But yeah, let's start with a celebration. Is that what you were going to say? <laughs> I was just going to say, let's start with a celebration for sure. Yeah. Because I think that is something too that, you know, naturally releases dopamine. The mind loves knowing what it's doing well and, and helps, you know, create, reinforce it as a habit eventually. And so like, let's celebrate people who are showing up, listening to this, taking what they are supposed to take from it, leaving the rest. It's not going to be for everybody, but let's celebrate you showing up and just giving this a try as you're doing like the courageous work of exploring your relationship to alcohol or whatever is keeping you stuck. So yeah, taking a minute to celebrate. Yeah, I I love that so much. And I do that with, with clients because starting off with a win, you know, or a celebration or something like that is just so, so good. And I think for some reason, and this probably could be a totally other episode unto itself, but for some reason, we think that being alcohol free means that you have to have X amount of days strung together. And that if you happen to drink when you don't want to be drinking, you're back to square one. And I think that if we can both tell you anything, that's not how we coach. That's not how we think this goes, right? The fact that you're here is a massive win. Celebrate this. Celebrate the fact that you're trying to address your drinking. And that's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think, one of the hardest things to overcome initially when people enter into this space of awareness. Like if we talk about kind of how, you know, when we're not in awareness of maybe our relationship or our you know, drinking as being problematic for us or getting in the way of things. We're kind of in that sleepwalking, you know, autopilot phase. But then when we bring awareness to alcohol is taking up too much space and, you know, I'm feeling this conflict when we bring awareness to that, it can be super painful. It can be intense, but, and, and also like flash, like this is kind of how the mind works too. It's like flashes this big neon alert, alert, alert sign. Like here is a problem. Now let's figure out how to fix it. And so you can get when we start this journey, we can get very like focused on, you know, the drinking or not drinking as, you know, what I'm 
kind of working around. And so everything else that comes along with that, we have to kind of zoom out and see that this is about bringing awareness, understanding our relationship to alcohol. There are no rules. You get to decide, you know, this isn't about not drinking or drinking or making a case for, for either moderation, whatever, you know, it's about being able to bring awareness to what our relationship to alcohol looks like. If that's a place of exploration for you and celebrating just taking the steps to bring awareness, like that is a fantastic place to celebrate because without awareness, we cannot make any change. If there's something we want to change, you have to have awareness first. So yeah, starting with that celebration and, and maybe, you know, reminding yourself of that, like wake up every morning and celebrate what you're doing to mm-hmm. bring awareness to whatever it is that feels like it's taking up too much space in your life. Yeah, I think it, that's so good. And and also, once you're aware, can you go back? I mean, I don't know. You can't really, right? Like, I tried. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, I think once you start to really, really get into this work and know how your brain works and know how alcohol makes, how alcohol affects your brain and how you feel without alcohol as opposed to with it and all this stuff, there's a lot of this stuff that you can't unlearn and become unaware of. So that's a really big thing to celebrate too. Yeah. Well, and it, and if, for sure, it's that journey of like, uncovering the things that were just, you know, operating as truths in our lives. Like I need wine for this. I need wine for that. Or it helps me do this or it helps me do that. Or I am this kind of person or that kind of person or whatever that like, it's, it's an uncovering journey. It's a discovery journey. It's, it's knowing what those things are that are showing up as truths in our lives. And of course it's going to be painful, but you know, to your point, like there might be this like instinct to like want to go back to where I didn't know. And then also it's like, no, because if I want, if I want to feel empowered and do anything about this, I have to, I have to know what it all looks like. Right. Like you can't, you know, you have to have all the the pieces, the intel first before you can, you know, figure out what to do with it. But our minds like kind of bring it back to, you know, part three here of our mind and how it works. Remembering that our mind is always scanning for, like danger and threat. And our, you know, our culture is really, you know, has conditioned our, our minds to be also in that way of like, here's a problem. Where's the solution search, you know, use your left brain, your, you know, the, the intellectual part of our brains to, okay, here's a problem. Now let's solve it. And this work for, you know, freedom from alcohol, whatever that looks like for you, involves not just the mind or the left brain understanding it involves our bodies it involves our right brains it involves you know it involves all of it and of course it does because none of these things like work you know separately right like we're by themselves and so it's it's a journey and that's something too to kind of settle into and find some peace with maybe yeah i love that so i love that so much so as we talk about you know, getting to know our minds and remembering, you know, that our minds are always like generating thoughts and meanings and our meanings, you know, kind of all form together, repeated meanings and create stories. And those are this, and that's what we talk about. Like that's the whole kind of basis for this is, you know, these stories that we tell ourselves that have us doing things that we don't want to be doing because our thoughts create how we feel and our feelings you know, in response to what we're thinking, you know, create our actions, our behaviors and how we're showing up. And so, you know, one of the things that we touched on before, and it's something that is so 
it's like one of the most like frequently asked questions. I feel like, yeah, we, and we went into this a lot last time, but so we won't, you know, spend too much time on it, but it's th this question of like, how can I know this stuff? Like, how can I know how alcohol affects my, so I have this awareness now I'm learning all about how alcohol affects my brain, my health, my body. And oh my gosh, who knew that this is the same substance that I'm putting in my gas tank. So like to drive my car, well, of course, ethanol in my body is going to have some kind of negative effect. Like I know all this stuff now and yet, and so, you know, I wake up on Tuesday morning and I'm like, yay, like I am not drinking today. You know, I did this a lot when I was starting, starting my journey before I found freedom. It, and then by four or five o'clock, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't wait. I couldn't get to the, you know, open the bottle of wine soon enough because it's almost like, how do I know all this stuff and can be so certain that I don't want to continue doing this? And yet here I am back to doing what starting that cycle, right? Like, yeah, a hundred percent. And I think I get that question. I'm sure you do too, like all the time, right? It's like, I know this stuff, Christy. I know this stuff. I know that it causes X amount of cancers. I know that it causes all these problems for liver and heart and strokes and all this stuff. Yeah. So I get asked that question all the time, right? By clients. And I'm sure you, that you do too, where it's like, if you've read Annie Grace's book or you've read William Porter's book and you, you know, maybe you didn't know, maybe this is your first time hearing that alcohol is ethanol. Like that was shocking to me to see the breakdown of actually the chemical compounds of what is in your wine glass actually is you guys, <laughs> the chemical compound of what you fuel your car with. And like we say it, but willy nilly, but it's, it's the truth and it's, it's crazy. So knowing that stuff, in your, I always say smart lady brain, but then going yes. forward and like pouring the glass, like why, why do we do that? Well, because like everything that we're about to dive into, but also because we think that there's still a perceived benefit, right? And so that's why you have to do this work because you have to feel, you have to figure out, feel and know what that perceived benefit that you're hanging on to is. Exactly. And it, in this phase, like in that beginning of the journey kind of phase, when we, when we hear that question a lot from folks, like that is when the pain is the greatest or the discomfort is the greatest, because at least when you were not aware of these things, you were doing it. Maybe that, I mean, I like to think that like, I always had some kind of knowing, like, I mean, we do, like yeah. it didn't yeah. quite add up, but I ignored it for so long. And then once you are into that awareness, it almost makes it more painful, more uncomfortable because it's now it's like, well, there must be something wrong with me that I know all of this and I'm still choosing to drink the thing that increases my breast cancer risk, or I'm still choosing to drink this thing that, you know, is affecting my cognitive ability, increasing my anxiety, all of those things. Or I can, How can still, I still drink it in moderation. <laughs> Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Or just a little bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think that's where that beginning kind of time frame of the journey is so critical and remembering. And that's why these episodes are so important. I think it's, it's so critical for remembering that it, that is not you, that is your, the, that's how your, your mind works and how your brain works. And when your mind is registering discomfort and that discomfort is even greater because now we have this awareness for this, all the, all the reasons why we don't want to be doing this, but yet we're still doing it. You know, our, our mind goes into that lower brained kind of survival brain 
thinking space. It's just like when, I mean, the best example I can think of is like when you go to the grocery store after, you know, back when I would leave my house, what like back when I would leave my house for work and actually go out, which was not even just a COVID thing, but, and then like driving home from work, like I had this plan that we would have, you know, grilled chicken salads for supper and, you know, get all my healthy things. And that's the plan. And then you go into the grocery store and it's, you know, five o'clock or four o'clock or whatever. And you are tired from the day because it's been a long day and you are hungry. Perhaps I was definitely thirsty. I wasn't always someone that was great about, you know, hydrating. And so you have these like physical needs and, and maybe you emotionally are a little bit low. Like maybe your boss, you know, was upset with you for something. So you have like these things, these like physical needs, like hunger and you're tired and all of those things. Plus maybe in a, you're emotionally low that combines for this just unease and this discomfort. And so our, we don't, our mind works by like wanting to conserve energy at all times. So it's going to take this like lower road action of, okay, you're already tired. And if there's a threat here, I feel this discomfort. We're going to take the, the easiest path, the quickest path. And that's when the mind, you know, is going to scan for like, whatever has worked in the past, like whatever has gotten us out of this state of discomfort in the past, that's what we're going to go for. And that's when I end up picking up the whatever is ready to me, you know, ready to ready made and the, the fried chicken and the potato wedges that's ready to go. Like that's what we're going to grab or it's the candy bar or whatever it is. And that's not a something wrong with me thing or Christy or like whomever it's, it's how our minds work to, that's how our brains work to kind of keep us safe. But understanding what that looks like for each of us is so important and being able to like hack it, you know, work with it and go, oh, okay, like I know right now the, the fact that I want to reach for this high calorie, not healthy option when this was my plan, or in this case, like I started the day, I'm not going to drink today. And tonight I'm wanting to reach for that high calorie sugar you know, wine, it's because I'm my mind, like my survival mind, my unconscious mind is kind of taking over. And so I know that my move here is to get curious about it, is to kind of pause and maybe take a walk or do some deep breathing. I mean, we have all kinds of like tools we can use that we'll also share, but yeah, knowing what that looks like for each of us, it's the same, it's the same with alcohol. Yeah. So let's get really practical with this because I want to go back to the grocery store because if you can't take a walk, <laughs> right? Because I get, yes, right? Because I get asked this a lot. And, and, and this also highly relates to the alcohol thing and the alcohol craving thing, right? So you're stuck in your house. You've got little kids at home screaming at you. Your husband's still at work. What you cannot take a walk. You cannot take a bath. You, I always say put a face mask on. You obviously can't put a face mask on. So in that situation, what what is the answer, do you think? Well, and I love that because, yeah, and I think that's one of the most frequently, frequently things we get asked as well as coaches. It's like, it kind of goes along with what we're talking about here. It's like, I know that taking a walk, if I could, would be, would help me. Or I know that meditating and journaling and, you know, maybe, you know, getting in the word, I know all of this or exercising, I know all of those things might help me or could help me. But in that moment of like auto response mode, the discomfort is great. It's like, I just need that, that, you know, whatever, you know, I, I, for the moms at home that like, you know, there's no other option, like 
go to the bathroom and go to the bathroom and ask yourself, how do I know I'm breathing? How do I know I'm breathing? Find the location of your breath in your body. Do you feel it in your belly or your chest or your throat or nose? Bring attention to your body. That What that does is it puts us back into like that present moment, gets us out of the mind swirl, gets us into our body. Our body has the wisdom for what we need. Our mind will lie to us all day long. Our mind means well. It doesn't mean to lie to us. It's just the mind isn't very smart in that lower brain state of what we actually need. And so when you can take a time out, go to the bathroom, check in. How do I know I'm breathing? That's it. That's all I got to do. How do I know I'm breathing? Find your breath. It helps regulate our nervous system and gives, and then it helps us turn to curiosity in that, in that state. Like we can go, okay, now I can be curious here. What do I really need right now? Like is, what is this pointing to? This isn't about, I'm uncomfortable. What is that? What does that look like for me? What do I really need? Am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Am I just exhausted? And that's okay. Like meeting yourself with like, that's okay. What about you? Yeah. The one of the ones that I always love to tell clients is just, you know, in addition to becoming aware, put a timer on your phone and and let it run for 15 or 20 minutes. And this works so well for, are you craving like something really sugary and bad for you that you know isn't going to make you feel great? And by the way, I'm not anti-sugar by any like stretch of the imagination. Every like sugar, I think is okay in moderation, but that's probably a whole nother episode. Anyways, if there's something that you don't, that you don't want to eat or something that you don't want to drink, AKA wine, I think putting a timer on your phone and just like writing, writing it out and being, I don't know. There's something I think about it that, that really taps into that awareness, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, th- I love that. I love that you mentioned that. That's a, that's a really good one for just setting a timer and giving that space, that space, that pause. I, I have people repeat the word pause, like pause, just pause, just know that this is where I'm supposed to pause. And once I pause, you know, then I can, I can hum. Humming is really good for, you know, activating the vagus nerve and kind of, you know, getting us out of that kind of mind swirl. Cause if, if not, what happens is we stay in that like tunnel of the mind where it's just like, I'm in autopilot grabbing because the mind is motivated to conserve energy. So while running, going, you know, going for a walk might really be what my body needs right now. I don't have access to that. That's not going to be the thing that's like, oh yes, I will just go do that instead. That's not going to appeal to the mind. You're going to have to like be fighting against that survival. So taking a pause to allow that upper brain to come back online, like you said, I mean, that is, that's huge. Yeah. And I think with, with all this stuff too, for me, I found it that when I'm tired, that trumps so much, right? That sticks me right into lower brain automatically. And so for me, having designated times of knowing when I'm going to rest. So if I'm exhausted at 6pm, knowing that I can get to bed at 9pm really, really helps me. And I know that like that, that rest is on the horizon. Or, you know, I'm going to have a couple days off or a couple hours off the next day, like making sure that you make self care for yourself so that when tiredness chucks you into lower brain land, you know that like, okay, instead of reaching for the glass of wine, you're going to be able to get a good night's rest, which is actually going to fix that tiredness. Yeah. And that's what's so good about, you know, the things that like, we're like, I, but I don't have access to 
those things in the moment will know, but doing those things like making sure you're getting the rest you need, meditating, journaling, you know, being with the Lord, taking walks, extra moving your body, whatever that looks like for you, whatever those things are that like nourish you. And I always say like, you know, help keep you above 50%, like kind of foundationally support you, whatever those things are doing those things, not in those moments of stress response, not in those moments when you're competing against the, the primal things, the, you know, the thirst, the hunger, the tired, all of that, plus an emotional situation, doing those things ahead of time and working those into our daily living, like that's what is going to support us or allow us, you know, like a, a bigger window for, for that discomfort, like that discomfort and that lower brain isn't going to be as, as frequent or as intense because we're doing those things to support ourselves when we're not in those moments of stress. Yeah. And I think it's so important to note that like all that stuff takes planning and forethought, right? Which I don't know about you, but when I was drinking, I wasn't thinking about like, I need to plan rest for myself, or I need to make sure that I'm eating enough protein so that I don't have a sugar crash later in the day when I'm on client number four. You know what I mean? Like we didn't think about that stuff because I don't know what we were thinking about. We were just thinking about drinking, but it, it's, yeah. it's, you just, this is the, the, the incredible, awesome work that you get to do. And so I always laugh with clients because there, there was this one gal that I was coaching and she literally said, oh my gosh, this actually has nothing to do with alcohol, does it? And I was like, no, it's actually nothing to do with alcohol. <laughs> I love right? when people come to that realization. I love yeah. it so much. Yeah. Yeah. Alcohol is just like the symptom. The The bigger thing is like our, our inability to our, you know, handle stress and what our stress responses look like that have become, you know, habitual. Like that's, we go into that lower brain space and the stress response is there, like we're, our brain is going to do the thing that it just knows to do in that space. So it doesn't have the the benefit of the logical, rational, clear-minded, you know, upper brain thinking when it's in that place of discomfort. Another thing that I like to suggest people to do is so just kind of note, do a 24-hour or 48-hour kind of time scan. I don't know what you would call it, but noting different times of day when you are, when you're comfort switches yeah, to discomfort. Yeah, so good. I love you that. Know? Just yeah. like and tally it. You don't have to judge it. You don't have to make it mean anything. But right. the more we can attune to what our bodies are, the signals that our bodies are sending us at any given moment, like yeah. the more we're going to be able to have less frequent, you know, visits to this lower brain space and then, you know, the ways to, you know, to kind of be able to pull ourselves out of that. And so, so just even starting by tallying, do I even know when I switch from comfort to discomfort or like everything's okay? And then because that's going to happen on our bodies first, like we're going to feel that shift in our bodies first. It's just most of us aren't really good at, you know, connecting that. We go straight to making it make sense. And we pick that auto response thing that is going to get us out of the discomfort. So yeah, like, I mean, that happened. I, I think about how often maybe my drinking wine, my urge, if you will, my wine cravings in the evenings, how, how often maybe those were just because my blood sugar was low, like at four o'clock in the afternoon, you know, depending on what I've eaten before and you know, whatever, like my blood sugar is low. And because I can see now where, if I have my, I drink a little like ginger, what is it? Not ginger, grapefruit fever tree with a lime LaCroix is like my favorite thing to drink every afternoon. I 
like crave that. I look forward to that. Like I used to look forward to my wine. And I think it's because it has just enough sugar, a little bit of sugar, that at the time of day, I'm tired and my body is trying to tell me that I need something. And then I have a, a protein, a high protein snack with it. It's like, and then I feel great, you know, for the rest of the evening. So it's interesting to think about all of these other things that play into it um, that are kind of working against us when we're trying to untangle our relationship to alcohol and the, maybe the hold it has over us. Yeah, I have a really good story for this one. So I was coaching a client and she was talking to me about how she had, when she stopped drinking, she stopped calling everybody in the afternoon because like the, the alcohol wasn't feeling these like calls to her girlfriends. And she made, so talk about story, right? She was making it mean that she really didn't care about her sister and her best friend. And so I said to her, when are you feeling like you actually want to have connected real conversations with your sister and your best friend? Is it at the end of the day? And she was like, no, at the end of the day, I want to be under my blanket with my Netflix. And I was like, I totally understand what you mean. I'm exactly the same. I love to write just like you like to write. I can't write <laughs> in the afternoon. Does it mean that I don't like writing and that I'm not a writer? No, it just means that my brain is on and operating for writing purposes in the morning. And she was like, oh my gosh. So I'm, it doesn't mean that I'm not social and I don't love my sister. <laughs> like, no, it means you're tired. <laughs> yeah. It means you're human. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> you are human. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. And that's, that's what like blows my mind. The more I learn about how all of this works and how our minds are really so I mean, so key in how all this goes, you know, our minds are looking to conserve energy. So in case of real threat, we talked about that. Like, so when we get into that, like fear place, it's, it's going to pick the thing that is, you know, going to allow us to have the energy that we will need to be able to whatever that's, that's what it's kind of thinking. It's avoid pain and seek pleasure. That's another way for the mind in that survival place. That's how the mind knows that it's safe, that it's okay. And so it's easy when you know those things and there's so many great resources for, you know, this understanding. I think we shared on another episode, the everyday addictions, Dr. Jed Brewer. I love how he talks about this, how he kind of shares this, but it's like, well, it, it makes so much sense. And it's not a me thing, which by the way, like that's where brain scans show that when we are judging ourselves, when we are negatively talking to ourselves, when we're beating ourselves up, our upper brain is not online, literally not online. We don't have access to that rational, clear, logical thinking that tells us that like, oh, okay, you know, actually I don't really need the wine. My body is not telling me I need the wine. My mind is telling me I need the wine because it's just doing the thing that it always does. So right here, I need this and instead. And so, yeah, the more that you kind of see what this looks like for yourself, what are your patterns? I know that like, I'm super irritable that time of day as well. Like I'm, we all are, we've made a million decisions, decision fatigue, all the things that play into that. And so it, you know, disrupting that like habit loop, if you will, disrupting that auto response, that auto pattern that we have, like using a timer, like you said, what a great way to start disrupting that, that response and being, being able to bring our upper brain back online to be able to say, let me get curious about this. Like, I know that my body's signaling to me something that I need. What is it that I need? And the more that we do that, the more we build trust and connection to our body's wisdom. And the more that we can kind of build on those wins, the, the less 
intense and less frequently we find ourselves in those places. So, yeah. And I feel like you just said, like you, like we just breeze through what, what needs to be an episode in and of itself is that if you're, and I was too, and I know you were too made, like if you're stuck in the shame spiral of beating yourself up because you're drinking and you can't seem to figure out why that's the worst place to be because everything you just said, it just keeps you there. It keeps you stuck when you're beating yourself up. It's just, it's neuroscience, right? It's how our brain works. We keep ourselves stuck in shame. And then that just keeps us stuck in the same lower brain space. And so, I mean, I know we both talk to clients about this all the time. If you're beating yourself up, like that's the first thing that's got to go. Yeah. And from a why standpoint, you're exactly right. It's our, we're not open to learning. We can't, we can't learn, we can't explore, we can't get curious when our upper brain is not online and engaged. And so to your point, it keeps us in that low, it, you know, it keeps us in the grocery store hangry after work every afternoon. That's, that's the cycle. And so where do we have an ability? Like, where do we have control? We always talk about, you know, like there are things that we can't control. There's so many things we can't control, but like, where do we have control? Where do we have I don't even like that word where we have control, but like, where can we find empowerment? We can find empowerment through understanding what these loops, what these patterns, what these habits look like for ourselves. You know, just because I haven't had a desire to drink or had anything to drink in over three years, doesn't mean that I don't still find myself in these stress response states that have been my conditioned stress response states that I've had my entire life. In fact, I'm pretty sure that for the first 35 years of my life, I was in a perpetual survival stress response state, fight, flight, or freeze, adrenaline, cortisol, cocktail, all of the things for 35 years without any breaks. <laughs> but doing this work that we get to do is, has been amazing for seeing that, you know, we don't have to continue in those, those automatized ways that are, that you know, that our mind has us kind of doing. And the more we can bring, again, awareness to what it looks like for us and what these situations look like, the more opportunity we have for change or empowered action, the things that we do have, you know, ability to control. So it's a journey. Totally. The book that I loved with all of the stuff about unlocking the stress response and the stress cycle and all that stuff, which I found so interesting. And we'll put it in the show notes is the burnout book by the Nagasaki sisters. Is that right? Emily, Amelia and Emily. It was, it was recommended by a mentor of mine and it's so good. And it's so good at like just laying out. So if you gals are interested in kind of like this, everything we're saying and want to dive deeper, that's a great resource. Yeah. Yeah. They have a nice way of, I think, explaining the stress response cycle probably because they're, you know, I don't know what their degrees are, but they have a nice way of breaking it down and making it accessible for, for other people. And I think they have great examples of what you can do, you know, yeah. Being able to, as they say in, in the book, like complete the stress response, complete, I think that's what they call it. Complete the stress response cycle. You know, when it, what we do is we cut ourselves off from being able to complete the stress response cycle when we're in that lower brain space. And so then it just keeps like piling on and, and and we do get stuck like for 35 years. Like I think I was. And, and so this work being able to like reconnect, that's also, I was going to say it also disconnects us further and further from, 
from our bodies to where like I describe like my early journaling in this journey, I described that I was kind of just bebopping through life, like dragging my body, my body behind me. Like it wasn't oh, part yeah, I feel that. of me. And, and, and my mind was controlling. I was in that lower brain state. My mind was controlling everything. I had no idea, you know, I was living in that in between I was autopilot mode or fire drill mode at yeah. all times. Like there was no middle ground. It was like autopilot, you know, beep, boop, boop. I'm doing the little robot arms in case. <laughs> <laughs> beep, boop, I'm like making the like, yeah, not good. Or fire drill, like, ah, alert, alert, alert. Yeah. That's the, you know, the mind, the mind scanning for danger. There's a danger. Here's a threat. Like you're uncomfortable alert, alert. So yeah, it just, it was a very, it's interesting to look back and see like how that happens. And also like, it's okay. Like that, that's how it was for a while, but with awareness, we can change it. Yeah, totally. And when you understand, just echoing everything that you just said, when you understand all this, it's also so obvious why we do reach for the glass of wine when we don't understand it and we don't know how else to what what is it not clear the risk what what they, how, what do they say clear the response to stress cycle. oh complete the stress response thank you cycle. yeah complete the stress cycle. this is why it's so obvious right when we when we don't know how to complete the stress cycle like why we reach for the wine is what i'm trying to say yeah well I, yeah i always say that you give alcohol this like tiny opening in your life I mean, yeah. at least I did, maybe not everybody, but you give it this tiny, tiny opening. And because of all the messaging, because of all the like necessary for survival and living the good life and all of those things, those messages that are competing with how we're wired as humans, how our brains work. And thankfully we do have these lower brains, these survival brains that allow us to, you know, walk, yeah, like if we step into the street and a car is coming like that is the thing that is going to you know help you react and get out of the way but it just has become you know something with our attention spans are are very small now and with all the things competing for our attention we're easily distracted and we're everything's very easily like immediate gratification you know at the click of a click of a button we get whatever we need and so our threshold for being able to our threshold for stress is greatly reduced in my, I mean, in my humble opinion, who am I, but it was for me anyway. Yeah. And it's why so many people just want to drown all that out. Right. Yeah. And, and I, and I never was someone that said, oh, I'm going to start drinking wine because it's going to be the thing that helps me with my stress, or I'm going to start drinking wine because it's going to be the thing that makes me a better mom. Those were not stories I held until I had a reward-based opportunity, if you will, with alcohol, where in a moment of lower brain, discomfort, stress, whatever, alcohol was there and it appeared to fix, so to speak, whatever that thing was that I, that I actually really needed. And yeah. more, and then it you know, signaled to me the next day and the next day and so on and so forth. And then combine, you know, that's where the story started coming from. It's like, oh, we'll see, it does. Oh, yeah, I do need this because, look, it does help me be a better mom. But, yeah, it's it's wild to think about how slow and subtle it is. And yet, I mean, it also reminds me of, like, how kind of the enemy works, too. You know, I mean, if you 
think about it, it's like nobody signs up to be in a place where they want to do something about their relationship to alcohol. Nobody signs right. up for that, but right. are. Yeah. So, so good. So true. What else do we have to say about this, babe? Yeah. I mean, I think that what I would, what I would say is whether it's in the grocery store after work and that kind of hangry example that I give where you have your plan for how it's what you're going to pick up and go home and cook and make and all those things, or you're in that time of day or whatever time of day, and you have that urge for wine and, and yet you've set that intention to not drink today or whatever, whatever it is. When those thoughts come, the kind of the worst thing we can do is to fight or resist or panic. So as we're bringing awareness to what these things look like for us and starting this you know, episode with celebration was so perfect for this because what I'd love for, for folks, I'd invite folks to do in those moments when you have awareness for, I have an urge to drink alcohol, but I set an intention today to not drink or whatever your thing is, celebrate that you're noticing that you're having the thought of that because that's your clue to what this cycle, what this habit loop, what this pattern looks like for you. And our instinct is to resist like, no, no, like I didn't, I, I'm not going to drink today. Here I am thinking about drinking. And then we start fighting and we're like, no, I can't do. And, and the more we fight against it, the more we resist it, we're actually compounding our discomfort, making it doubly hard to not do the thing that we really don't want to be doing. So that's, yeah, that's why, so good. yeah, taking that pause, pause, notice what your thoughts are, allow them to be there, celebrate that you are noticing the discomfort, celebrate that you're allowing it to be there, allow those thoughts to be there. Thoughts are automatic. Like you can't control them. You know, we can, we can train our minds to think certain things, but thoughts are going to come. And also just because you're having the thought doesn't mean, does not equal desire. It doesn't mean you automatically want to drink. So that's your opportunity to get really like turn to curiosity, get into your body, find your breath, turn to curiosity. Okay. Put, what, put what is this about? <laughs> put, put the timer on first. Yeah. Put the, set the timer and get curious about it. And then from that place, whether you drink or not, you are collecting Intel that will help you understand what these cycles look like for you. And not just related to alcohol, by the way, right? How many times a day do we end up in these lower brain places? It's It ends up being a superpower when you can figure out what this looks like for you. So yeah. Yeah, it's it's so true. And I think it's important to note too, it's that this kind of thinking doesn't go out the window if you choose to have a drink because you can still yeah. have awareness. You can still catalog how, how it's actually making you feel. You can still catalog how the first drink is making you feel or the second or the third. Like there's still so much learning, right? That we call them in the, this naked mind universe, like data points, right? That, that when you set the intention not to drink and then you have to drink, as we like mentioned earlier, beating yourself up is the last thing to do. Stop beating yourself up and start learning from it, right? Start learning like, okay, why couldn't I get out of that lower brain space? Like why didn't I pause or, you know, what were the things that led me to not being able to pause? All of this stuff is so important. Totally. Yeah. You're, ex you're exactly right. And that's where, um, that, yeah, the data points, I like to call them growth points because that's where we, 
where we get our greatest opportunity. We're collecting data about what this looks like in real time. I talk about, I mean, I have, I don't have data points with drinking anymore. I have data points with whatever, like the people pleasing tendency or whatever my, you know, all my other things are, right? I have those kind of data points slash, I call them growth points. They're my opportunities to go or overwhelm and how I've reacted to somebody and, you know, yelled at my husband or whatever. Those are my growth points. And if I can turn to what is here for me to learn from this, I can't change the past. I've already like yelled at him. So what can I take from this? It's the same with alcohol. What, okay, this is what it looked like. What was I thinking before? What were my thoughts before? How was I feeling? What, you know, what were, was I tired? Was I hungry? How did I sleep last night? Was I rested? What are all of these pieces that come together? And then from that place of curiosity, that's where we're able to learn. And that's where we're able to, um, to try differently, as I say, like not try harder, but try differently, try just one little way differently tomorrow in that. Okay. Tomorrow I know I'm going to actually, I'm going to have a high protein snack at this time of day. We'll see how that does. I don't know if that's going to help or not, but you know what? I'm going to try it. I'm going to see, and I'm going to collect more information around it, more Intel, more data for me to figure out what this looks like. And it's in that space, we stay open. And that openness is what allows us to con you know, continue moving forward versus getting stuck in the, the cycle of the shame and the blame and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And if you don't want a high protein snack, you can also have a mocktail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is right. what I did at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What were some of your favorite mocktails? What did you I always did my, it's so cute. My son Carter call, ended up naming them the pink ladies and they were ginger ale, cranberry juice with a splash of lime. And we all had, we, this was, I stopped drinking during COVID. And so at like five, six o'clock when everyone was in the, locked in the house together, we all had pink ladies at five o'clock. <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah. Well, and that is what's so interesting about that, which of course we could go on and on about too, but you know, like the studies that show that people get you know, excited about they, their mood shifts, they have a sh change in how they feel just, you know, when they get to happy hour, you know, before they yeah. even put that drink to their lips, because they're thinking about alcohol. And yeah, it's, it's that's in the same way, you know, you can look forward to this, you know, it's, it's not about those two to three ounces of ethanol that you're in, in your glass. I promise you, that's not the thing that you actually think that yeah. you want. It's, all of, I feel uncomfortable and I will feel better with this thing that I've trained my body to think that will make me feel better. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, retraining it differently, disrupting that, that pattern. And I mean, I have my little fever tree, my grapefruit fever tree with lime LaCroix. Oh gosh, I love it. And I drink it in the same little cups that I used to drink my wine in. I have these little like, and it's like, I, I look forward to it. Like I used to look forward to my wine. It wasn't, yeah. you know, it took some time to get to that point to create that new, new neural pathway that says like, this is actually beneficial and not the other, but, but yeah, it's all in, all in, all in the journey. All in the journey. So good. So good. So good. So, so good. This be awesome. before we wrap, I just, yes. I was going to say like, Let's yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not funny. <laughs> Let's do our teeny tiny Tina. Our tiny new tiny action. action. <laughs> Tiny new action. So like from this today, pick one, one little thing that you can try differently and commit to that. Don't take 
everything that you've just heard and go, okay, now I'm going to journal and meditate and do that. Like, oh, every single one of my clients does that. Yeah. It's, I'm okay. Gonna, I'm going to do all the things. And journal. I'm quitting yeah. sugar. I'm yes. going to exercise six days a week and I'm quitting alcohol. I'm like, sister, calm down. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. All I want you to do is one tiny new thing and you get to choose that. And it's maybe like, huh, like, how do I know I'm breathing? Not just in times of stress, but I'm going to start asking myself that. I'm going to set a timer on my phone and three times a day, I'm going to take a time out from whatever I'm doing and I'm going to say, how do I know I'm breathing? That's a Dr. Judd Brewer thing, by the way. It's not original. I will give him the credit for that, but I have loved that. That has been really helpful for me for, I, I couldn't even locate my breath in my body five years ago. Not yeah. a chance. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's yeah. just that one thing or, or finding your hours of the day that you operate best at. That's one of my favorites that we talked about. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's something else spoke to you in this episode about like, oh yeah, you know what? I, I don't eat and you know, and all, for six hours and then, then I get home. Oh yeah. So just try having a, a you know, building in a snack planning ahead. And th this is the snack I'm going to try today. And then Ask yourself, how does it feel? How do I feel after I do this thing that I'm doing? This tiny new action? How do I feel before I do this tiny new action? How do I feel afterwards? That also is going to help us decide, like, is this something we want to continue doing? Does this help us? Do we like this? This is the, the beauty of this work. It's like we get to reconnect to, like, what do we like? What does yeah. feel good? What does really nourish us? Not just going by what our mind, you know, has us kind of believing you know, otherwise. So it's kind of fun to discover what those things are. It took me a lot of sparkling waters to figure out that my fever tree, my grapefruit fever tree and lime LaCroix is like the jam. So <laughs> I love that. Awesome. This is yeah. a good one. Yeah. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. And if you have any questions about what in the world we're talking about, head over to the website. We've got our community there. We've got our email list. Like we're very accessible by email. So send us questions because we'd love to answer them on the next pod. Also, and we were trying to wrap three times ago. But <laughs> Can you girls tell I'm the one that's in charge of wrapping us? <laughs> and I'm like, and by the way, I know, right? Thank goodness we know our strengths. This is not, not mine. <laughs> I was in my in my Bible this morning in Ephesians. I love Ephesians and Ephesians 4, 22, 24. I won't read it here. Save us time. I want, I'm going to leave it there. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. Go read it. Maybe that's your yeah. tiny new action. And, and then we'll put it in the show notes. Reflect on what comes up for you from reading that. I thought it was pretty powerful based on what we were talking about today too. So love that. Bye friends. Bye everyone. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can find all of our episodes at ButJesusDrankWine.com and make sure you follow us over on the gram at ButJesusDrankWine. To learn more about what we do, you can visit our websites at MeetHollandShirley.com and LoveLifeSober.com. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't have to worry about missing a single episode. And if you love what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. This helps more women who are feeling stuck and alone in the overdrinking cycle to find hope and encouragement. Thanks, ladies. We so appreciate you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.